It is with great pleasure that I report that the World Cup has officially confirmed its After Dark status with four thrilling knockout games. Amit, how are you surviving? Are you surviving? My heart is palpitating all the time. I'm just getting by. Just getting by. It's been tough. Almost lost it a few times today and yesterday. It's been fun. It's like they took our advice. They're like, oh, these guys do an After Dark podcast. Let's give them an After Dark World Cup. Today, two penalty shootouts. First time since 1986. Yesterday, the first time ever a 4-3 game in 90 minutes. Yeah, we got a lot of bad Madonna tweets. <laughs> Don't think that you came up with that joke. Everyone knows that there's a song. Don't cry for the Argentina. Okay, for me, Argentina. Okay, great, great. You spend way too much time on the internet. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's yeah. Un- unquestionably true. Yeah. Look, we yeah. should have probably known when Spain decided to fire their coach yeah. the day before the World Cup what the, we were in yeah. for. and... Wow. Has not disappointed. Delivered. Delivered. It's delivered so far. I thought I just had a lot of fun watching all four knockout matches. I it's always hard to go back and remember how you felt during the other tournaments. But sure. I I was not disappointed by any of them. If anything, I was disappointed by Spain Russia. I know you enjoyed it. And yeah, it you was, have a bad opinion about that. It was no no. It it got it was fine. It was fine. I, I I'll explain how I feel about that game. But it still delivered drama in the end. Like there was no bad game. I, I don't think yeah, at all. No. So not unquestionable. So it's it's been a lot of fun and it's only halfway. Like it's yeah. it's it's gonna uh, and we have at least two more high profile tilts and we just hope we get some more drama. And also Japan are still in the World Cup. Yeah, which you know, anytime you could keep two bottom five teams in the talent pool alive this long into the tournament, you gotta sure, do it. Sure. Yeah. This is the World Cup After Dark podcast. I'm Austin Miller. He's Amit Malik. As he said, we have four great knockout round games to go through here. As well, we'll take a look at the next four. Amit has a bad opinion, had a bad opinion about England, and now he wants to double down on it. You're really sure they're gonna win, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, no, but at this point, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Except this is what happened with Spain, and I (laughs) don't double down on your bad opinions. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that when we get there. We should just go through it chronologically. Yeah, I think so. It's not not fair to just go, let's start in one spot and then work our way around. Let's start with France-Argentina. All right, France 4, Argentina 3. Look, if nothing else, you have to give Argentina credit for simultaneously, one, confirming to us that they are actually terrible, while also, too, almost still making the quarterfinals regardless. Yeah, I know you and a lot of South American people that have cover, that have been covering the game down there know that Argentina's bad. And, and look, we were proven right. And look, I, I coming in, I, I expected Argentina to be bad. I, I, I heeded your guys' warning. If you go to my picks, not that you could see them, but in my picks, I had them losing in the round of 16. So you're so, spot on. So Take a check mark and go Ultimately home. spot on, but boy, did they, almost, they almost did it. They almost did it. But... They also reminded us how bad they are. This game just felt so weird because at no point were you convinced that Argentina was any good. In fact, yeah. they even convinced you that they were maybe even worse than you thought. Yeah. Yet there was it was still like, oh wait, I, this could I, still happen. I thought they played better than they had. Their midfield did some things, but their defense looked as bad as it's been, yeah. as worse as it could have been. Which, look, yeah. we probably yeah. expected and, and with France. And France is a good team. Like, they made them pay. That being said, with all the weirdness, it's there still was, in by my count, three crazy goals. Three crazy goals. 
One Mbappe in plays for PSG. I learned. Well, I was I wasn't counting that as a crazy goal. That was a great run. I think I you know. have to. I don't know. I, I'm talking about, but that's like a goal that should have been a goal. Sure. Okay. I'm talking about like, despite of all of your like, France was better, Argentina was bad. This happened. This happened. There are three goals that you can't account for. Sure, I will like, let you say your three yeah. then, and rather than just inserting yeah. my own three. Yeah, you can explain the Mab- like sure. Mbappe goal. Like sure. that was great run. Yeah. I agree with you. I saw somewhere during the run he was clocked at a faster speed than Usain Bolt's average speed in his hundred meter dash. We're not saying that he's faster. We're just saying that he's fast. Usain Bolt to Spurs. No. No? You know, he had a trial with the Manchester United Reserves. Couldn't yeah. cut it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Spurs I, maybe too high Maybe level. later in this podcast, we'll have a segment on other sport athletes that thought they could kick no, it. Stop. My favorite is Chad Ochocinco trying out with the Kansas City Sporting Reserves and not cutting it there. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyways, okay. Back to, back to my goals. The Di Maria goal, that's crazy. Like, he had too much space, and you can tactically account for it by saying that the center backs were backed up too far, but... That's a crazy yeah. hit. Also, the best part about that goal is that you and I live some distance apart from each other. I'm yeah. pretty sure I heard you yeah. yell, have a hit. Yeah. In my apartment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you heard me. I was screaming at the second. He wasn't even the frame. I was like, oh, whoever has the ball. That's the best That's the space. best feeling when you see either that or you see a ball rolling out yeah. from a corner and you don't know if somebody's running on. <laughs> and then they pop up in the edge of your television screen. And you're just like, oh, you got to have a go yeah. now. Yeah, so that was incredible. Great strike. The deflected goal. I forget who scored it. Mar- Mercado. Mercado. Did he know? Was he trying that? I don't. So that's like a thing in kind of in hockey. I know right. it's a parallel. Like you just yeah. stick your stick out, hope to deflect it. I think he meant to deflect it goal bound because okay. he knew that the initial shot was weak. Sure. But I don't. I can't say he was aiming it. Yeah. I don't think he knew where the keeper was. He didn't know where the goal was. He was just like, if I can put this towards the goal, it has a better chance of going in than it did. And it did. And it did. So yeah. great. That was weird. And then if you thought the first have a hit was good. Oh my lord. I just thinking about that behind yeah. angle of Pavard. Yeah. The spin outs. Oh. That was that was my favorite goal. That's that was Nacho's goal but better. Yeah. That was and great. You have that angle like you said from behind yeah. where you just see it spin. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And my my whole point was that those three goals you can't really account for. Yeah. But even if you take away that Pavard goal which equalized the game France. Remember they were trailing. I still think France, if not coming back to win outright, at least ties the game because there's no way Argentina could have held France up for, what, 40, yeah. 35 minutes at that point when they scored. For all that, though, Argentina, credit to them for somehow but almost... But also, like, you're just left asking yeah. questions. Why did it take so long to get Sergio Aguero on? It was very clear at halftime, this is not working. And I think yeah. Argentina got fooled by the scoreline. Yeah, this is going all right. It was not going all right. Yeah. Everybody could well, see that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they took the no, lead. No, no, no. I'm also laughing because at a halftime, here's the change they did make. <laughs> they took off Marcus Rojo, which, look, he's, he's Marcus Rojo. He's actually not a good defender. He had a yellow card. But they subbed on Frederico Fazio, who you may remember in a recurring cameo on the World Cup After Dark podcast, was part of the Tottenham transfers that didn't cut it from the Gareth Bale money. Also he is known bad. as also known as Thanksgiving Thursday Tottenham. Yeah. Federico it, Fazio right yeah. there. Europa League group stage match day five. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He couldn't cut it in the top eleven, had to play in the Europa League, was bad left. He's not good. No. He's not good. He was not good yesterday for Argentina and, either. Yeah, going back to this San Paolo never had a clue. Nope. The players tried to take control, and 
at least they tried something different with the whole false nine thing. Didn't work. Nope. Got to get Aguero on quicker. Still somehow, like, had that within a goal with 90 seconds to go. Somehow, yeah. which is just absurd. I mean, that ball from Messi to oh, Aguero. Lovely. Great. Yeah. I, He's pretty good. We could talk later about the whole Messi-Ronaldo greatness, whatever, but I don't want to blame him too much. I think Argentina's a bad team, or at least bad compared to the teams that should be winning these kinds of things, and their defense was garbage, and... Yeah. Their pace was exposed by a very, very fast player. Javier Mascherano retired from international football after the match, which came as no surprise to anybody, but also probably should have happened before the match. Should have happened before he played a whole Nigeria game with a gash in his face. That too. That too. Uh, Argentina, you're gone, finally. You did a little better than I thought you would, but you still did everything I thought you would, so thanks for that. And France, moving on to play an Uruguay side of it, who beat Portugal by a score of 2-1. to Uruguay are good. Yeah, they're, as you texted me, tough as nails. I think that's a great description of this Uruguay Thank team. They they know what they're doing. They're experienced. They don't make mistakes. Like they really, Yeah, okay, they made a mistake on the goal by sending too many bodies towards Ronaldo, but they, for pretty much, you want to count, you know, minutes, 80 minutes of that game, they defended against Portugal and didn't give up a chance in the open play. They just didn't. That was incredible. They were so good. Defenders were good. And Suarez and Cavani worked two bits of magic. That's all you need. Cavani was excellent. Cavani was very that, good. That I ball to Suarez, the cross back. Yeah. And then the goal he took it was I mean, really well done. Um, I hope Cavani is healthy for the quarterfinals yeah, he, because Uruguay deserved to have him healthy. And the Uruguayan back line did everything you expected them to do. Yeah. As you said, they fell asleep once in the whole match. It cost them. But they battled enough beyond yeah. that. Godin and Jimenez are so good. Yeah, and what's going to help Uruguay against France is that they're going to play a compact style. Yeah. So France is not going to have time, uh, space to use their speed yes. against them. Now, does that mean Uruguay is going to have to defend without the ball for long periods of time late against Portugal? Yes. But they're comfortable doing it. This yeah. is the thing you watch Atletico Madrid. This is I know people yeah. who know soccer know this, but like, they're, they don't want the ball. Like, we joke about that. They don't want the ball. But yeah. they're actually more comfortable without it because they just they don't need it. They're so yeah. good at shifting and organized. It'll be an interesting game. France is obviously very good. And France's defense, I I don't know. Are they... Conceding three goals yeah. to Argentina, not great. But the three they conceded were... All kind of fluky. Yeah. One so. bit of brilliance and two fairly fluky goals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's going to be a very interesting game. match. We yeah. don't have to break it down now. We can do that yeah. later on in another edition. Um, all right. This is your one hot takey question of the World Cup after dark this week. Ronaldo and Messi are out of the World Cup. Ronaldo looked pedestrian against Uruguay. Messi was whatever for four matches for Argentina. Are you upset that they're out of the World Cup? Am I upset? Yes, I'm upset. The takes would have been great if they were both in. Sure. I like having good players in the tournament. But I'm not that upset because their teams didn't deserve it. You can't say it's undeserved. Yeah, and that my larger point I want to make about both of them, you can't use international soccer as much to judge these players' legacies because they can't control the team, they can't control a lot of things, and it's a smaller sample size. Like, I don't know, is it bad that Ronaldo and Messi, to their both of their credit, have no knockout goal knockout goals in the World Cup. Yeah, that's not great. But is it really hard to score a knockout goal when you're the best player on a subpar team and it's easier for teams to shut you down? I don't know. It's frustrating that they're both out, but 
I don't hold this against them. They're both in the greatest of all times conversations, whatever you want to say about them. They're both great players. They're both getting old. They, they probably have one major tournament left in them both, but it's not a World Cup. Yep. So they'll have one more chance each to maybe rewrite their international legacy, but appreciate them. They're good. Their yep. team's bad. Sure. Portugal have to retool. Argentina have to retool. We'll see what they do in the future. All right, great. I don't need to talk about them anymore. Yeah. They're fine. They're good. They're not in the World Cup anymore. I'm going to focus on the teams that are. They didn't deserve to be. You know who's still at the World Cup? It is Russia. not Spain. <laughs> okay. It is actually good goalkeeper Igor Akinfeyev now. Um, I believe... <laughs> so you know how Simone Zaza is still taking his penalty from Euro 2016? Yeah. I think Spain are still just standing about 45 yards from goal in Moscow, just passing it sideways, waiting for an opening. Yeah. Oh, boy. This was frustrating. Because it's not like Spain put pressure on Russia and Russia stoically, heroically held on for 120 minutes. They held on for about 15 minutes the second half of extra time. Spain spent 105 minutes doing nothing. Also scoring a goal where Sergio Ramos kind of like got in a wrestling match with the defender and somehow the ball ended up in the back net. You have to give them credit for that. No, that's good. That's what Ramos does. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that the foul on PK, probably a penalty. Absolutely a penalty. You can't yeah. defend with your if, arm in the air. If VAR called out the Mascherano penalty against Nigeria, yeah. that's a penalty. That's a penalty. You can't defend but with your arm in the air. I love the conspiracy take that the VAR, the VAR in Russia, you're not, you're not getting a penalty there. Come on now. Um... You just spent, I think, the whole turn, and not just you as yeah. in you, you as in everybody collectively, spent the entire tournament wanting and expecting yeah. more from Spain, and they just never did it. Against Portugal, they couldn't stop Portugal. They gave us a great match. Both of those teams are now out of the World Cup. Against Iran, they couldn't break down Iran. They had to fluke a goal in to win that match. And against Morocco, they weren't good enough to get the job done, and they kind of backed their way into first place in this group. And then today against Russia, they passed the ball a thousand times. But very few of them were incisive. Very few of them were dangerous. And yes, Russia defended well, and they were compact, and they were structured. But it didn't really feel like you said that Russia were defending for their lives for yeah. a lot of this match. Because they weren't. Yeah, and it's a really interesting thing between, like, how fine the margins are. Like, did their results, like, were they bad? Yes. But were they also inches away from being good? Yes. But the results had an underlying problem. They weren't playing well enough, right? It's the same thing with Germany. Like, Germany played well but missed a few margins, but the fact that they were out reflected that they weren't good enough. When the sample size is this small, you have to be that much better than your opponent to not leave it up to that chance or kind of that gray area in between. Uh, Go ahead. And this is what you said. We both kind of hit on it. You You have to put pressure on them. Like, every team that plays this game that, like, it needs a goal against Russia is not passing it around. They're putting pressure on Russia. What are you scared of? Russia scoring the counterattack? Okay, if they have do, you seen Zuba yeah, run? They can't. You have to go attack. They play ninety minutes, one hundred twenty, one hundred five minutes, and didn't venture forward. Like, okay, I get you pass the ball, but like, you have to try to break them down somehow. Let's not breaking them down. That's why I was frustrated with this game and disappointed yeah. because they didn't go at them. Like, say what you want about Germany, they're not here. Germany wouldn't have done that. They would have crossed the ball. They would have tried to dribble. They would have tried to shoot. 
Spain didn't do that. It was that was bad. That was yeah, real bad. It was. Saw a lot of opinions on the old interwebs that I know you'd like to spend your time on. Uh, bad match, whatever. Look, Russia did what they had to do to advance, and that's what you do in the knockout stage. This was really fun to me. The crowd was into it. The atmosphere was fantastic. Russia was willing themselves on. The crowd was willing them on. The bench was willing them on. Their, blood, been... their blood was willing their legs on in the 119th minute. Yeah, you think so? Oh, <laughs> if I was not convinced before this match, I was convinced before this match. You should not be able to track back that well at extra time. Okay. okay, continue. All right, thank you. Your theory reigns supreme here. You're going to get another match to test it out. Uh, I enjoyed this. I did not enjoy Iago Aspas not winning the golden boot. Could have really used a hat trick well, or a poker here today. Also, why start Diego Costa if you're not going to play balls into him? Sure. He stood between the center backs for, how, what, only come off 70th minute? Yeah. And just stood there. Yeah. You can't play a bruising sti- striker if you don't let him bruise. You know who I could have stood there. <laughs> But you could have. Like, I mean, theoretically, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. That's the last time you're going to hear it. I could have done that. Uh, you know when Diego Costa is going to play that bruising striker role again? <laughs> About two and a half years from now when he makes the trip to Palmeiras as a 36-year-old head case. We're waiting for you, Diego. We're still ready. I'm still ready, man. Big 2-0 win for Palmeiras last night against Arabe Unido yeah. in Panama. Yeah, a little, it's a friendly. Yeah, a little mid-season Why'd friendly. Why did you watch that? I, Why did I watch the Union play LAFC yeah, There's no, nothing else on. Okay. Nothing else to do. Um, is Igor Akinfeyev good again? Okay, so before the tournament when I said that, I was joking. Or I was just going off... I, I wanted him to be... Yeah, yeah, I wanted him to be good. No, he was great. Two penalties, huge penalty saves. Penalties are, are luck and also instinct, and he... The penalties were not well taken. And my theory is that if you leave those penalties in a savable range... If you as a keeper, you have to save one or two of them a shootout. And he did. Yeah, and he did. And, De Gea, and De Gea had some savable he did. ones. Look, there's bad luck in guessing, I get that, but my thing is if there's five penalties that are unsavable, that's not your fault. But if there's penalties that are in that a meter to one and a half meter off the ground range and they're not all Don't in the corners, the side you got to save them. And he didn't. Great kick save. Go Russia, man. Russia's in the quarterfinals. Did not think I would be saying that, especially Worst after FIFA toppling. Worst team coming in. They've toppled Spain. Yeah. And the right side of the bracket has now opened up. Yeah. England, you still didn't do the right thing. I know you think you did, but you didn't. That's fine. Uh, Croatia, Denmark. Drama for five minutes. Something resembling football for about 100. Yeah. And then drama for 10 minutes in a penalty shootout. This was still pretty fun. It's not... It's a pretty good thing to say when this was probably unquestionably the worst of the four badges, and it was pretty darn dramatic. Yeah, with you. It was good. The, I kind of I said to one of my friends while I was watching it, I was like, after the goal, I was like, oh, wow, they got it all out. Guess we're going to watch 115 minutes of nothing. I was joking. I expected there to be goals. There just wasn't. Yeah. I was surprised. Denmark, as the game wore on, actually looked a little bit better. They're not the better team on paper, but they looked like they had more legs. They looked more willing to go for it. I think I was a bit Croatia dis- looked gassed yeah, by the end. I was of a extra bit time. disappointed in Croatia and their fitness, but we can talk about the the crazy drama at the end. Incredible decision. What's his name? Jurgensen? No, I think there are, there's two Jurgensens, but so I'm there's, sure that's not. I don't want to say there's a Jurgens I don't, all right, before we say the first names, there's a Jurgensen who has dark colored skin, a Jurgensen who has light colored skin, and the light one got subbed on late. And the dark colored one is the one that It was a Jurgensen. Oh, this dude scored the goal and yeah. had the tackle. Thirteen. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Matthias Jurgensen. Yeah, so Matthias Jurgensen yeah. comes flying on, and it's like, uh-oh, 
my goalkeeper's out. Uh-oh, who was it, Rebich? I think it was Rebich. Yeah. We're going to say it's Rebich. It was Rebich. He rounds Schmeichel, and then... You have to make that tackle. Even Every it, time, because even if even if you get red carded, yeah, and I think he was mentally preparing himself yeah. for a red card. Obviously, there's the double jeopardy rule, which and if you play the ball, you don't get sent off. I so, think he should have been sent off in I, that situation. My I, thing is, the rule is weird because in my head, dog so deny goal score opportunity in the yeah. box. It should be a red card. But they made that old red double jeopardy, and he was yeah. But that is more than denying a goal scoring opportunity. I view that as denying a goal. Yeah. I think there's no question yeah. that would... And I think you still make that challenge, even if it is yeah. a red card. That time of the match, and you simply cannot concede a goal. I want to go back to Luis Suarez did this against Ghana in 2010. Ball was going in, put his hands up, saved it with his hands, got the red card, Asimio Gan clanked the penalty off the crossbar, went to the shootout. He made his penalty, but the rest of the Ghanaians didn't. Uruguay won. This time, though, the karma... The karma... Did come to bite. This was Denmark. This was a fantastic shootout. It was a great shootout. Both goalkeepers, Schmeichel and Subasic, were in the zone. Penalties were not well taken. They were well saved. But Luka Modric came back from having his penalty saved in regulation or extra time or whatever you want to call it and made his penalty in the shootout. Schmeichel had two saves but was one short. Subasic had three saves. Christian Eriksen is not moving on from Spurs. Oh, yeah. Did I say that earlier? You, no, that was before the podcast. Oh, that was before the podcast? Yeah. Well done, Christian Eriksen. Knew if he made that penalty. Knew if Denmark got through. Too much attention on him. He's going to go to a big-name club. Did the right thing. Yeah. Did the right thing. I think that was in his mind. He just thought, yeah, I need to miss this so that I stay no, at Spurs. No, I, I don't think so. I think I, he's probably really upset right now. <laughs> he's probably not taking it yeah. as easily Apparently, as Casper Schmeichel won man of the match, and they did yeah. like a mini press conference, and he was like, I don't want to be here right now. Slams the word <laughs> on the table. Ooh. I feel bad for Denmark. They they played they played better. They played their hearts out. That's what happens, though. you got to make your penalties. It's Somebody has to lose. Yeah, That's how it's it works. unfortunate. And credit to Modric for stepping up and taking, making it, going down the middle after missing the first one. One quick question on Croatia before we preview these four other round of 16 matches. Do you have confidence that they can break down Russia? Um, hmm. Depends where Russia sets up. If Russia sets up that deep, then it might be tough. But Croatia also won't make the mistake of passing around. Like That's not their style. They will cross to Mandzukic. 10, 20 times if they need to. Modric and Rakitic will shoot from distance. I don't think Russia will set up that deep against Croatia, but Croatia has a really good press, and that's the thing for me is I think Croatia, for them to play well, they need to not have the ball for stretches of the match. I don't think it's in their interest to play a, a style close to Spain or even just like a front foot 90 minutes style. They need that game to be more open to give themselves room. That's kind of counterintuitive, but... I don't know how to say anything about Russia because I think they should have been blasted, but they didn't. So again, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. I still think Croatia should should favor themselves. Sure, but one Spain thing should have too. One clear thing to watch is the fitness. Yeah, Russia. Whether you think you agree with me or not about how they're running so hard in the 120th minute, whatever whatever's behind that, they're in good shape. And Croatia looked gas, and they have some old players in some positions. The positive is that they do get six days before this. Yeah. They're on the side of the bracket that allows you some of that extra time, so that could could help yeah. them. Also, the home, being home will help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, four down, four to go, and it starts with a cracker tomorrow. Brazil, yeah. Mexico. Amir. You nervous? Uh, yes, 
I still feel confident that Brazil will win this yeah. match. But yeah, I mean, you're always nervous yeah, because it's what a mistake match. and you're going home. Yeah. That said, Mexico are kind of going one direction and Brazil are going the other direction. I think that's fair. Brazil have played better as it's gone yep. on in Mexico. Have played worse. Also, will Mexico have any legs left? It didn't look like they had any legs left against Sweden. Yeah, I think they're going to have to rotate their squad, though. And I think they have enough squad depth to do that. Yeah, but this doesn't feel like it's the time where you should be rotating your squad. Well, I think they're good enough. I'm not saying that they're better, but I think that their players in the squad are good enough that anyone in that 23 should come in and expect to play hard and well. I don't. I think if they play that same 11, yeah, they're going to be in trouble. Um I think their defense needs to play much, much better. It was terrible against Sweden. The other thing is, I, I mean, obviously Marcelo is out. Now, so here's the good the news is, Felipe Luis is probably still... And honestly, I think this may be like a blessing in disguise for Brazil. For this match particularly. Because he'll defend Because more. Marcelo bombs so far up, and that's the way he plays. He should not change that. Brazil will be less susceptible. They're not very susceptible to a counter. But with Felipe Luis and Fagner at the wings, rather than Danny Alves and Marcelo, they'll be even less susceptible. Yeah. Marcelo is healthy enough that he could play 45 minutes if needed. If Brazil go down, I wouldn't be stunned to see him on for a half an hour. But I think this actually works in Brazil's favor. Felipe Luiz is a fantastic yeah. left back. He's he would probably start... better left back. He's probably a top five left yeah. back at the tournament. Right. He's, and that's just happens that's conservative. It happens to be behind Marcelo, which is yeah. totally fine. Yeah. But I think this match actually suits him. The attack for Brazil is in good shape. The defense still has only had one issue all tournament. Um, I feel good about Brazil yeah. heading into this match. Brazil is the better team. They're playing better. It's a knockaround thing can happen. And also. To me, there's a real mental aspect for what Mexico has to bear in this tournament because obviously the narrative, we got to play for that fifth game. The round of 16 has haunted them for years. Yeah. For years, going back to the 90, the 80s even. Yeah, 86 they, was the yeah. only time Mexico was advanced yeah. past the round of 16. Just, that was on home soil. And they just don't do it. So that's a real mental cross to bear, and they expended a lot of emotional energy in that group. Beating Germany was cathartic for them, and it was in every opposite sense how bad it was for them to lose that Sweden game and get by by a result they couldn't control. So I think they're in a weird mental state now. We I never know how much of the mental side you can really chalk up when they start playing. We yeah. don't know. We'll never know. But to me, that's a real thing that they're going to struggle with. And Brazil is not a team you can mentally be yeah. questioning yourself. Also, again, I said this earlier, just where is Mexico at fitness-wise as yeah. they come into this match? When they were good against Germany, it was because they were fresh and they could attack. Can they do that against Brazil? Yeah. I'm not sure they're going to be able to. And again, if Brazil don't concede, they're not going to lose. And that's a huge advantage for them is that they don't really yeah. concede. And Mexico also is not a team built to defend for 90 minutes. Like, they're not able to absorb that Brazil pressure. If they score first, yeah, they're going to do it. But that's not their that's yeah. not their MO. They You saw the way they play against Germany. They have no interest in backing down from a bad te- from a better team. Yeah. I think Casemiro is huge in this match for Brazil just in the defensive midfield destroying Mexico counterattacks I think is going to be his goal. Yeah. This should be a fun one. I will take Brazil to win. I'll say 2-1 just to, to yeah, cover just myself. To cover. But I feel fairly I, good. I know you're rooting for Brazil, and I don't have anything against Brazil, but I would love for Mexico to win. Sure. I just don't... I feel so bad. They beat Germany. They played so well. They get this. I don't see it in the cards for them. There's nothing... There's really nothing pre-match that points to them 
having an advantage unless you want to talk about Guillermo Ochoa styming Brazil in 2014. Which he did. Which he did. But to me, that's like the only nugget you can hang on to. I think this is Brazil. I think it's 1-0, but it's not a hard... Like, it's sure. not too uncomfortable. I, I think they'll get a goal maybe midway through the second half. Mexico will will push. They'll push. But they won't come that close. Brazil's yeah. defense is too good. That's that's why I see it going. Okay. Uh, honestly, for Brazil, it's interesting because Mexico on paper seems like the more difficult matchup. I was hoping that Brazil would play Mexico rather than Sweden simply because Brazil have had issues with teams that sit back, and I think Sweden could have done that very effectively against them. Are you scared of a Brazil-Russia final? I mean, like, look, if it's Brazil, <laughs> look, if it's Brazil-Russia in the final, I'm just going to take it. Yeah. I'm not going to complain. Um, all right, the next match tomorrow, Belgium-Japan. Japan are still alive in this tournament. Belgium might be good. They yeah. haven't played anybody in anything that matters, and they still maybe yeah. will have not played I, anybody. I want to give Japan some respect, because clearly both of us counted them out, yep. which was not fair to them. But It was fair to them. I okay, think it was fair to them. We to can't name here. more than like four players in their squad. They don't play that well. They got lucky they got a red card when they played Colombia. Credit to them for coming back against Senegal, and their performance against Poland was pretty shameful. But whatever, they had they're here. Look, they're going to defend for 90 minutes against Belgium, and it's going to be hard because Belgium, outside of their outside backs, is as complete of a team as you're going to find left in the tournament. In fact, they might be the second or they're probably the, sorry, the third most complete team here besides France and Brazil. Yeah. I think that's really fair to say. They're really good, and... I think what they've shown against the bad teams, Belgium and Tunisia, is that they don't have as much of a problem breaking down a bad side. They just go, they go, they go at you. They don't, yeah. They're not going to do what Spain does. They're not going to do what Germany does. And they have quality everywhere. So Japan has to find a way to counter. They have to be good on set pieces. And they're going to have to defend like their lives depend on it for 90 minutes. It's hard to find a way for them to win. Kawashima in goal for Japan has impressed me in this tournament. But it is, I think this is probably the biggest mismatch. I don't know, Spain-Russia probably felt yeah. like a mismatch yeah. coming in as well. Look, that's not to say Japan can't get yeah. something from and this, especially Ju- given how this tournament has gone. But it would be fairly surprising yeah. if they did. Mainly because, like you said, Belgium... I think the way to attack Belgium is to attack Belgium. We still don't know what they have defensively. No one has attacked them yet. No, no one. one's really been capable of it, and I don't know well, England, if Japan England is. might be in a knockout match, but the, they did not play no. like they no. were trying. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's it's tough, and I, you know, Belgium's really good. And I'll give Japan credit. Their manager has done a good job. He's tactically very smart. He knows what they're doing. They're not going to They're not gonna fold against Belgium, but... They need to get 30 minutes without conceding for them to have a chance. If they concede in the first 30, it's over because Belgium will steamroll them. Um, Lukaku is apparently fit. It's going to play. We'll see if there's anything there. Mm-hmm. But I expect Belgium to to take care of business. I expect a multi-goal win, the first one. 3-1. Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, no, yeah, 4-3, yeah. So, yeah, 3-1. Sounds good. Yeah. Right. I, I like it. There we go. We're in agreement. All right, the final day. Euro 2016 rolls on with Switzerland, Sweden in the round of 16. Yeah, two. I think before the tournament, we said two of the most boring sides. Give Sweden credit; they impressed both of us, outperformed both our expectations getting out of that group. They know what they're doing; they're very disciplined. I think they're the European version of tough as nails, except they don't have two very good strikers. <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? Berg, Berg and Toivonen. Toivonen. Yep. Suarez and Cavani. They are not. No, they're not. Look. <laughs> they're going to be organized, they're going to be really hard to break down, and they know what they try to do on the counter. 
They're not nearly as prolific as Uruguay or any of the good counter teams in this tournament, but they know what they're doing. And I think they're good enough that there'll be stretches in this match where they can put pressure on Switzerland, where it's not all one-sided. That being said, Switzerland is the better team, and I don't think they're you that... think so? I don't think they're that much better. They have more quality in their side. They have more guys that can go and win you a match. Shakiri, Jaka, Licksteiner, Rodriguez. Those Licksteiner can't go and win you a sorry, match. Those aren't match He's also suspended, so oh. 0 for 2. Double strike for you. They're they're good players. They, yeah, sure. Licksteiner is a very good free kick taker. I just can't be on the record. So is Ricardo Rodriguez. Yeah, he, I think you've said that. Like, I think that's like your Switzerland go-to point. Ricardo Rodriguez, free kick taker. He's that's all you got. really good that's at That's all those. you got. Look. It's going to be tough for them to play with pace because Sweden's going to nullify it by playing compact. It's going to be kind of boring to watch, but I buy Switzerland's ability and persistence. This is a game, to me, that screams extra time, though. 1-1 Sweden on penalties. That could happen. I buy it. I'll go Switzerland 2-1 in extra time. Great. That's all we need to say about that match. The final round of 16 match is a tasty one. Europe, South America, England, Colombia... Two teams watching with wide eyes as the side of the bracket they are on opens up in front of them. Whoever wins this team has to think they can make the final. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? Yeah, right? I think anybody on this yeah. side has well, yeah, to think yeah. they can make the final. Yeah, Croatia, obviously, yeah. too. Switzerland this is a huge. This is such a huge match. Yeah. Such a huge match. And so look, I would say must win. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's a must win. <laughs> yeah, it's big. I don't... It's weird that England lost this game to get here, and it's going to be all for naught if they lose this game. But if they win this game, they have the draw to do to make some noise. Yep. Now, then again, it's one game at a time, which is the mentality you have to have. And they did not use that mentality in their final group stage game. That being said, and things stack up on paper, I like this England side a little bit more than this Columbia side, especially because Hamez, whatever capacity, is clearly not fit. Yeah, so just to clarify, the latest on Hamez is, is that it's not any sort of structural damage. It's more soreness and kind of an injury. Does not look as though he'll start. He may be available off the bench. Does not appear as though he will be 100%. That's a big blow for Colombia. There's no getting around that. That said, Juan Fernando Quintero has been playing really well. The questions for me for Colombia, who plays on the left? Is it Luis Muriel? Is it Jose Esquerdo? And how do Mina and Davinson Sanchez handle Kane? I'm of the opinion that though that Kane is not the player who will trouble Colombia, no. but it's the wingers. It's Rashford, Sterling, Dele Alli. Those are the players, I think, for England that can trouble Colombia most. It's the guys with pace and the dribbling, because they're yeah. creating. Kane is a guy you can't lose in the box, but it's not like he's the danger man. He's just he's going to score the goals. They have to deny the supply to him. That's how you stop Harry Kane. If he doesn't get the ball, he can't score. Points yeah. to head. Look, it's true. Also, Jesse Lingard. Those are the guys that are dangerous, and England plays a formation that allows their young, quick players to get the ball in exciting areas. That's what's fun about them. That's the thing. They also play three in the back, and you know, defensively they looked fine. You can't really count the game against Belgium. I don't know. No, you can't. You can't. Strap I think it. you have to throw that out. But Colombia is going to present the most potent attacking of threat. And if England commits numbers forward, which they should do, there's a lot of room for Colombia on the counter. One, now, I'm, no, right look, foot. I'm not, I don't buy Radamel Falcao as a great counter-attacking nope. striker, Disagree but Quintero is a great player of the ball through multiple lines of defense. Yeah. He can unlock a defense. And, they, and also, Quadrado is going to give Danny Rose or Kieran What position Trippier. does Harry Maguire play? 
He plays left center back in the back three. I'm going to attack him. Yeah, I would attack just him. Just going to go after him. I would attack John Stones. And also, if Ike was a good dribbler, like Juan Quadrado, I would just dribble in the vicinity of Kyle Walker. Because Kyle Walker would be like, there's a guy five yards near me. You better cut him down cynically. England's defense worries me in this game because... It has not been tested at this point. No, World it has Cup. not been tested. Individually, all those defenders are good but not great. Yep. And the back three is a weird system that they don't play in their club. They also don't appear to be comfortable playing out of it, from what I've seen, from what little I've seen no, them yeah. attempt to do that so far. So will Columbia be able to press high? Do they have the personnel yeah. to do that? Falcao well, is a big big question mark for me. Does he fit with how Columbia wants to play this game? Or could you see it? Do you hear it? Miguel Borja. That's yeah, your guy. He's the, he's the striker for Colombia yeah. who best fits this, but also he's the guy who's going to waste six chances, and I don't know that they're in a position to waste six chances yeah. and get a seventh. You thought Jan Vertonghen, we got robbed of his revenge game against the Tottenham players. Look, Davis and Sanchez, if you want out now, Tuesday's your day. Does he want out? No, he doesn't want out. He likes Tottenham, and Toby's leaving, so that spot is his, and he's like 22, right? Yeah. He's going to play there for a long time. But look, if he just wants to ruffle some feathers at the Tottenham training ground... Have a few hacks at Deli Ali. Yeah, go for it. Go, <laughs> go for it. it. Go for it. Deli will push back. This game is going to be a lot of fun. I think one thing... Both of these teams are so potent. Yeah, and our good friend Adam Brandon at World Football Index made this point in an interview with Talk Sports, and I liked it so much that I've now been making this point every time I've talked Columbia-England. The thing that is most interesting about this match is how much confidence there is on both sides yeah. of the equation. For Columbia, England, England hasn't done anything on the international stage. Why should we be worried of them? For England, ah, oh, we wanted this. We're on the easy side yeah. of the draw. Who cares about Columbia? Both of the fan bases, both of these teams head into this match confident that they're going to win and that they're going to go far in this yeah. World Cup. And that's what I think makes it so entertaining. Yeah, I totally agree. They, I, And you can see it on the interwebs if you go check it out. You can hear in this podcast, I guaranteed England to win because I like them. In reality, is that smart? No. But that's just how both sides feel is that their team yeah. is going gonna, is gonna to be the team to put them through. I'm... Totally intrigued, and I wonder if that boils onto the field the arrogance. Because I would love it. Not like chippy cagey, but just like a aggressive attacking game. Columbia 2, England 1. England 2, Columbia 0. Harry, zero? Oh no, Harry Kane scores a penalty in the 60th minute, and then give me an empty netter for Harry Kane in stoppage time. What is David Ospina doing coming forward? David Ospina gives you nothing going forward. Whatever. Columbia are going to win. It's going to be great. All right, that's going to do it for us this time around on the World Cup After Dark podcast. We will be back on Tuesday to recap the end of the round of 16. And maybe we'll preview the quarterfinals. Yeah, we might, oh, no, there'll we be might, a little break. We we'll have some time. There's, we'll see. There's a few days yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, We'll see what happens. Who yeah. knows? We'll see. Uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Austin underscore James 906. He's at Amit K. Malik. Be sure to follow the World Football Index for all the latest from us as well. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye.